0: Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Marquez Brownlee. Marquez is a YouTuber. He has over 8 million subscribers to his channel MKBHD, where he reviews electronics, drives electric vehicles, and interviews people such as Kobe Bryant and Bill Gates. You can find Marquez on YouTube and on Twitter at MKBHD. All right, here we go. All right, Marquez Brownlee, how's it going? Good. How are you? doing well. Good. Um, so I'm curious, I followed your channel for a while, uh, but I definitely did not follow it in the beginning when you okay. were reviewing software on your laptop. You've been doing it for a long time. What would you attribute your success to on YouTube? Um, uh,
1: well, I do tech videos. So <laughs> I think the the obvious answer there is tech has been interesting and important for so long that just being in a tech space generally for that long has has done a lot for it. Yeah. Um, the channel itself. I mean, there's plenty of other successful tech channels, but it has its own unique style. It has a consistent voice. It's been me for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I guess just if you combine all those factors, consistency plus tech staying interesting. That's that's mainly it. Hmm. Was Was there any particular inflection point where it really took off? No, I get asked that a lot about like. You know, can I point to a certain video or date or month or something? (laughs) Like, what happened to go from like nothing to where it is now? But I've from to this day, I look back, and it's mainly just like a. You can look at charts, even it's just a sort of an upward slope from zero videos to a thousand videos. Hmm. Uh, You know, it's obviously when you get to certain points, like the reputability is that a word? The reputability of the channel becomes more. Uh, significant so you're more likely to subscribe to a, a yeah. tech guy with a million subscribers talking about something you should buy than a guy with a hundred so that's helped but i feel like a uh, consistency
0: again is major really because yeah i mean i i follow a couple subreddits on like weird youtube channels hmm. and there are people that have a thousand videos reviewing elevators oh like yeah simple boring shit well if, i mean there's there's always gonna be like
1: niche stuff which yeah. people will get really into but i think like when when it comes to something as personal as a tech product yeah you kind of want some sort of history to go on or uh, sort of a reputation to look back on when okay. it's like a thousand phones are a thousand dollars now so uh yeah i think that's that's helped being able to have a history of stuff
0: hmm and because in the beginning you were just doing software, right? Right. For the most part. Free software. Yeah. And then did you start getting phones sent to you in like the early days of influencer culture? I remember early days pretty well. It was, I, I'd started with all this laptop stuff.
1: Yeah. So the first uh, stuff that got sent to me was laptop accessories, okay. a mouse, a keyboard, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, some, some paid software. I would get like a key for $30 off a $50 piece of software and I could have that access so that was awesome okay um phone stuff didn't happen until much later i remember the first event i ever went to was a samsung event in new york city where i met a youtuber for the first time okay that was probably like six years in so it took a while
0: you were in it for a while yeah you know uh i grew up Getting like pirated keys off of LimeWire and oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep. Did you ever dip into that and think like, man, maybe I should review Final Cut Pro on my channel? Oh man! <laughs> at, at one point, I definitely did a whole Hackintosh thing.
1: Oh, you did, which was definitely not, you know, kosher. I guess, but you know, the Hackintosh world is a whole world. So I was, I was curious about it, and I, I, I got into it. Um, I don't. I was never really into like, you know, downloading pirated music or any of that stuff. But I could imagine that was its own world for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was curious because as a kid, you have no money when you're starting out your channel. Yeah. And I wonder if, if you grew up with that hacker ethos, like, like, have you done a teardown video before or anything like that? Not
1: really. I mean, I was, I used to be much more into building PCs and taking them apart and upgrading them. I had a Mac that One of the Tower Desktop Mac Pro. The,
0: the G5? Yeah, I did. Yeah.
1: like I was replacing the GPU and, and upgrading the RAM and all that, and I had an XPS Tower that I did the same thing too. But I, I guess I never was really fully into uh, the, the building process as much as I was the final result, okay. how well that finished product would work for you.
0: Okay. But when I watch your videos now, you're pretty into the stats of it all. Like yeah. all, all those like hard metrics with the products, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it, I mean, it attracts you in some way.
1: Yes. I mean, I think if you just look at, if you take a huge step back and just look at what the videos are about, period, especially with the reviews, it's like, how good is this product that this company made going yeah. to work for you? And there's a whole bunch of different ways to measure that. And I'm trying to measure that. So there's a lot so, of so what
0: are the, what are those metrics? Well, like what's the, I've heard you talk about it before in the context of like, this is a, a feature that's going to maybe like spark some interest. And this is a feature that I'm going to use every day.
1: Yeah. Like gimmick versus yeah. daily. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way. I mean, I kind of, you can pick up a phone and use a really cool feature for two seconds. And you're like, Whoa, that's amazing. But when you actually buy the phone, are you going to use that feature? I'm, I'm kind of trying to evaluate that. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of benchmarks and things people do. Like how fast is the storage? How much Ram does it have? How fast is this chip? Um, and that stuff is useful. Obviously, if you have more demanding needs for your phone, but uh, a lot of it is literally just evaluating, like, is this a gimmick or is this really going to be daily
0: driver material? One thing I was talking about on a recent podcast is is how it's very hard for the market to to recognize how good a product's quality is. Like, just that actual feel. Like, when you yeah. sit, when you touch an iPhone for the first time. Yeah. Right? And so, like, how do you go about quantifying that? when you're making video
1: I mean it's really sometimes I see my job as like a professional user okay like I I really just have to use it and you get the the briefing obviously and the, the breakdown of all the new features and what is new versus what's not new and you can compare it to things you've used before um but at the end of the day like you actually have to use it to figure out if it's actually useful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, there's all kinds of use cases. There's, they'll, they'll tell me about a new feature and they'll tell me exactly. There's some New York for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how it like the ideal use case scenario, how it works well. This came up recently cause I did a video with, with an LG phone that came out. Mm-hmm. It has this feature where you wave your hand over it and do these gestures to open up apps and things like that. It's called the G8. Okay. And like on the surface, like, this is cool. This is like yeah, future yeah, type stuff, yeah. but then you actually use it and you're like, all right. So I don't know what I have stuff on my hands. Maybe I'm cooking, but I just want to like open the YouTube app real quick and search for something. Like now what? Like I have to still type in what I want to search. Like there's, there's, uh, there's limits to the usefulness of that. So that for me fell in the gimmick bucket just because using it actually
0: changed my mind. But then what about the features where? you thought it was great and it didn't catch on are there examples of that well there's there's lots of examples of things
1: that are great to me that aren't a big deal to other people like i'm a i love high resolution really nice screens okay and you could hand you can hand me a phone with a 1440p amoled great display and you could hand me a phone with a 1080p lcd display and i'd look and i'd immediately want the better one yeah but to an average person a lot of times Whatever. Like, they both look fine to me. One, one of them's bigger. I like the bigger one. So, sometimes there will be things that I'll evaluate. I'll be like, you got to get this because it's got a great screen and it won't matter to a lot of people. Yeah. But at least then you can calibrate yourself to what I've in the past liked a lot. So, in the past, if I keep saying, like, I really like these phones because of their screens and you know from the, your past experience that screens aren't a big deal to you, then you can at least say, all right, I'll, I'll discount this point because screens aren't my thing.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because I've, I've kind of wondered if we're going to reach a point of complete diminishing returns with smartphones, right? You're like, oh, man, you know, iPhone 10 or whatever. Like, this is awesome. iPhone yeah. 11, is it 100% better? No. Unlikely, right? <laughs> no. yeah. So, like, do you think we're going to reach peak smartphones? Peak smartphone. It's a common
1: question. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Okay. And beca- and the only reason I don't is because I've heard that question for the past, like, five years of smartphones, and then the next year I'm like, well, that's new. And I think it's mostly because the trends change. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a thinness trend a couple years ago mm-hmm. where it was like we got a 9 millimeters thin and then 8.9 and then 8.1 and then 7.9. <laughs> Holy crap, there's a 6 millimeter thin phone. Have we reached peak smartphone? And then it changed to like, okay, now we want these bezel phones. Yep. So, thickness, whatever, it's it's just going to be thin. That's just the way it is. But now, uh, can we get a 90% screen-to-body ratio? Can we get this notch smaller? Can we get 93%, 95? Eventually, we're going to be like, have we hit peak? Like, we got the whole screen. Yeah. And then the, the next trend is going to happen. I don't know what that next trend is, but I feel like because of, I've, I've observed these cycles over the past couple of years, um, it doesn't seem likely that it's just going to, we're going to get this end
0: product of like the perfect phone. I mean, maybe we will. That'd be great.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't I see mean,
0: I know a lot of people are holding on to, you know, iPhone basically five form factor. Well, that's definitely
1: true. Yeah. Phones are better and they last longer yeah. than they ever did. So in that sense, we're closer to peak smartphone because yeah. your iPhone, if you buy an iPhone 10 S now, that phone's probably going to be good for like four years. Like legitimately iOS has gotten better. Um, So it's true. You can hang on to an older phone longer than you used to be able to. Yeah. But uh, that's also something tech companies got to think about when they make their next product.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you make of these new trend, like folding things, like new trends right now?
1: There's a lot of... Folding one is is one of those interesting ones because I'm trying to imagine the future of like, why folding phones matter um <laughs> at this point like generation one folding phones are like all right proof of concept like yeah. you can technically fold it but there's a big ugly crease in the middle and these bezels are huge and you know it's it's not really uh it doesn't seem that useful yet okay but that challenge is to like okay go like eight nine years down the road where it's like oh yeah you can just you have a tablet and a phone and you just unfold your phone and it becomes a tablet like in that world it was worth it like two 2019 folding phones were worth it because we got to that point yeah so if we get to that point someday then i think
0: okay it'd be worth it but okay so so then I've, I've noticed you filmed a bunch of tesla videos yeah right based on you know the ratio of types of content on your channel are mm-hmm. you just betting electric vehicles is the next big trend Partially, yes. And partially, I just love the thing. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's like a cool signal, right? Like, yeah. I remember people wouldn't shut up about their iPhones when they got them. And yeah. the same thing is true for the Model S. Yes. And that's, that's a comparison I've heard, like the Tesla is the iPhone
1: of cars again. Like yeah. it's kind of just that that next wave and electric does seem like it's the future. You see all these big companies like, yeah, we're going to go electric by 2028. like, <laughs> great, someday. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of the Tesla and it's like, it's kind of like a perfect segue into me. I've always been into cars, but okay. like I'm 25. Like how into cars could I be really? Right. I don't drive all kinds of cars and stuff, but the Tesla is a perfect segue into cars because it's a tech product. Yeah. Um, It has all these tech features. It's basically a tech company. So it was sort of a natural segue into the car world.
0: Yeah, because I've just been curious, like, on the performance side, how much it actually matters. Because if you look around, you know, obviously the Model S is nuts to drive, right? Yeah. But then, you know, the Prius is have you driven a Prius before yeah I it's have. not the most exciting it works. <laughs> it works it gets you there yeah right and so yeah i've been kind of wondering where the ev market will end up going because the model 3 is also pretty quick yeah um yeah but you know yeah but what, what's your impression of like the low-end uh ev market the thing about ev is you still
1: get like that quick torque so yeah. even though the performance from like you know your 60 to 90 might not be like high-end gas car territory most of the acceleration and like merging and quick things you do on an ev even a low-end ev is still like zippy like you still feel like you're in that like zippy go-kart type of feel even in like i drove a model three when it first came out and so it was rear wheel drive i'm pretty sure the zero to 60 is like five and a half seconds or something which is fine but like that that car felt quick okay like i'd step on the pedal and i felt like zippy like i was in model s so uh even low-end EVs will have that feel, and that's attractive to people. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people overrate how much sound matters. Like, in the high-end car market, everyone cares how their car sounds. But for, you know, 90% of people who are just like... you mean like, interior or the actual engine sound? Yeah, the engine sound. Okay. Like, when I hit the pedal, I want to hear it working uh-huh. for me. Like, that's a, a common, like, resistance yeah. to the EVs. So... Uh, But, yeah, I think for, like, 90% of people or taxis or just commuter vans or just basic transportation, like, silence is great. Huh. And in terms of uh, features within the car? They tend to be ahead, Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe I'm just because I'm looking mostly at Tesla, but, like, the amount of things, you know, having a smartphone-controlled app where you can summon the car to you, like, all these these remote start-stop features in gas cars are great, but
0: when you look at the amount of, I mean, Tesla's a tech company, so yeah. you see all kinds of tech features in the yeah, car. Yeah. yeah, I guess I just kind of wonder, like, where... Because you spend so much time reviewing products, both, like, smartphones and cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of get an impression of the bleeding edge, but I'm wondering, like, where you're you're seeing it going. Like, things that are just popping up where you're like, oh, that's, that's actually a super cool feature that people yeah. aren't talking about or thinking about right now in the context of cars.
1: I mean, honestly, just going electric and... The number one thing you think about is charging. Okay. Where do you charge it? Like, how fast does it charge? How long does the battery last? Things like that. Those basic questions. Um, the more like those big companies think about answering those questions, like Ford and like Chevy and those big guys, yeah. Uh, the more you realize how how far ahead Tesla is, but how how much how how far there is to go uh, to actually make EVs useful for most people. But I think you know the basic premise is you're just going electric. Like you just put a battery in it, you charge it and you drive it the same way a normal car drives. But I don't think there's any sort of magic sauce to it. Other than that, you just kind of have to get. So it's, so it's more like on the infrastructure side, it's really important getting it on. Yeah. Obviously less flashy and like, you know, magic feature (laughs) that's winning the market over, but it's like, that's what you have to nail to, to make a good EV.
0: Mm, Okay. And so, You know, now you're. You said you're 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now that you're 25, do you feel like there's going to be a point where you have less of a pulse on like the new? I'm so scared of that. Yeah. Dude, I'm
1: 29, and I'm like, oh no. Do you feel out of 29? Like, I don't know. It's I'm. I'm scared of being that that like old guy who's like (laughs) out of touch. Like, but at least, at least I think that process will be slower for me because I I'm so immersed in it now. Yeah. Like with music, maybe I'm already there. Like music, new music comes out that like. I I tried to listen to like the Billboard 100, like whatever, the other day, and I was just like, "This is objectively bad. Like, I can't, (laughs) I can't do this. I clearly am out of the loop." But uh, I guess with tech, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm a little more immersed, so that might take longer.
0: Yeah, or it's just near and dear to your heart, so it really matters. Yeah, that you all just be. Uh, well. There's also hope because there are plenty of much
1: older, you know, tech journalists and tech YouTubers who are who are doing their thing. So I mean, if you if you stay like in that world, it's. It's kind of just part of what you're doing every day
0: no and i I know plenty of older people who are way more into music than i am and like catch things early yeah but it it, it is this like core fear as a you know creative person where you're like dude am i yeah my old school right now am i out of it (laughs) am i out of it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so do you uh does that fear like motivate you to try like weirder youtube stuff or are you like kind of you know, this kind of phone, whatever mm-hmm. video works and I'm just going to keep banging it out.
1: I don't know. if Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to diversify okay. the, the, the breadth of coverage, you might call sure. it. Sure. Um, I don't think that's out of fear of like forgetting what's popular. I think that's just cause like I'm interested in other things. So yeah. I think there's other ways to talk about them. Um so there's the reviews and there's smartphone stuff, but there's also the car videos now, which is the autofocus series. But there's also like I'm into production naturally, because that's what I'm doing all the time. So I'm doing this this whole like spaces series where I'm I'm talking to other creators and how they use their space. Hmm. Um I'm ideally starting a podcast pretty soon where I can just talk with people about things like this. <laughs> um so there's I think that just comes from like all the other things that I've become interested in, of course, through, you know, making tech videos. Interest. So what else would be the, on the podcast? Uh, I want to talk to other creators. Yeah. That's like probably the main thing because that's not something that is readily available to me. I think like when you <clears> get to a certain, a certain place in this creative world, there's no longer like a, an article you can go read to figure out how to do something. Um, Like, when you're starting YouTube, you can figure out, like, what's the best DSLR for a 1000 bucks, and then buy it and find the lens that works best with it and then start from there. But, like, when I'm trying to figure out, like, hmm, how do I best, like, start a new series given the current uploads and, like, the pace of, you know, the way things are moving? Like, all these nuanced questions that don't necessarily have answers but that other creative people think about, too. Uh, Just talking with people about that kind of stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like just strategy right where like two things can simultaneously be true but you have to pick one yeah and that that can be a little intimidating i guess and helpful yeah so like
1: yeah it's less math more just like i don't know it's just strategy Eh, yeah
0: strategy and like creative insight yeah yeah and so what are are you going to try and like innovate in your podcast in any way because i'm what i'm kind of fishing for is like you know obviously youtube video right like Mm -hmm what are the other mediums that you're like testing out to feel like, Oh, maybe there's an audience here. Like maybe I can break ground here. Yeah. I feel like
1: video as a medium is my favorite by far. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think I don't think about new mediums as much as I think of new ways to do video, uh, new topics, new formats within video. um, podcasting being like a, a sort of an auxiliary way to, to also talk. Is that Bixby? I don't know. Um, that is Bixby. I've never even heard it in real life. And I've never intentionally triggered Bixby, so that's like the third or fourth time <laughs> that it's thought I've been talking to it. Uh, where was I? Oh, I mean, video, yeah. I, I I think I'm still trying to figure out the whole video thing generally. Um and that might be a battle I never win, but I feel like that's, that's going to be taking up most of my time is, is doing different types of videos.
0: Okay. Okay. And so, is, have you tried 360? Have you tried VR? Like, have you tried these new formats? I have. I've tried one. I've published one 360 video. Okay. And it was that one, one that
1: I thought was a really good idea. It was a studio tour. So it would be like you're sort of moving around the studio, but you can also look around and see what's behind you and around you. So you sort of feel like you're in that space. That's a good use of VR and that was fun. Um, But that was one of those things where like I struggled to find other genuinely productive uses for it in my, in my case. Yeah. Um, It's awesome for games. I love it for games. I love it for other stuff, but for video, it's been sort of a head scratcher.
0: Well, it's very, we did a podcast with Jessica Brillhart, who's a VR creator in, in New York and, um, it's a difficult storytelling challenge because like with film, you're inherently like controlling the viewpoint of Rare. your audience. Yeah. And with games, you lose, that. you explore. Right. Yeah, exactly. So very like natively mm-hmm. fits in, but even just like the prep involved in like shooting a 360 video, like right now there are a bunch of like wires and shit dangling yeah. all over the place. <laughs> like, it's no big
1: deal when the camera can control that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's another challenge. I mean, the, the rig we use was really cool. Like we could have, um, yeah, basically like you, it's not like literally following me around, but it went from place to place and we had a couple set up places oh, around the okay. studio so the video would move between these places and you could follow me around. Um, but yeah, that's like that to me was like peak 360. like I figured it out. This is the best use <laughs> of 360 in my case. real estate. yeah um, <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, it's been like a maybe a maybe just tours in general. like a lot of car stuff is hard because it's such a small space. Um, (laughs) maybe getting a smaller rig in there where you can sort of look around as if you're in the car. That's tough. Yeah. But do you feel
0: limited by cameras in any way at this point?
1: Only slightly. Okay. And I feel like I'm like not even allowed to complain because the cameras I use are so obscene. Um, but on occasion I wish the camera had autofocus. I wish the camera was smaller. I wish the camera's battery lasted longer, but Those are like pretty minor things as far as, because I can still get the image I want eventually if I work hard enough.
0: You don't have autofocus on all your cameras? I don't. Really? Yeah. Is it just the lens or the actual camera?
1: Uh, The camera essentially, it has a really, really poor autofocus system, but it's a a red camera and no one uses autofocus for red cameras, so they don't really work on it. So it's not good. Um, So it's manual focus all the time. (laughs) And that has its downsides, obviously, especially when we're doing car stuff uh trying to do fixed focus car stuff when the car moves it's all the time tricky. there's yeah. a lot of weird things with fixed focus but uh we've we've messed with rigs where we can do remote follow focus stuff and all kinds of other hacks to get around it okay but yeah that's like one of those huh. weird things we do you do have. much drone stuff a little bit for for cars it's funny because we, I always wanted to do drone stuff, but for the longest time I was mostly doing like handheld gadgets. Yeah. So, it felt like, what what, what do I need What's a drone point? for? Yeah. Like, it's just going to fly away from me holding <laughs> an iPad. Like, that's not that compelling. But now that we're doing car stuff, yes, there's plenty of use for drones.
0: Okay. Have you mounted anything to the hood? I, I don't know. Like, those giant gimbals, have you tried that out yet? Uh, we've gone, we've gotten a little into that. Like, we have
1: this whole, I guess we're always trying to make, you know, Setups for scenarios. Yeah. And I think the next scenario setup we're working on is like the chase car. Uh, how do you shoot a car uh, from any angle you want from another car? Yeah. So you can obviously go out the side because there's a window or you can get a sliding door. Uh, we we shot out the back. So we have the yeah. lift gate go up where you can go like hold a gimbal out of the back. But shooting the, the back of a car in front of you is hard because there's a sloped windshield. So it's distorted. So yeah. do you hang out the side, but then you're off axis? So there's kind of a weird problem with shooting the back of a car. Okay, That's like one of those things we're working on. I guess putting something on the hood would be a way to shoot a car in front of you, but then you're fixed in your height, so you can't really go low. But then there's those camera cars that have a jib on top of it, and you can go all kinds of angles. So that might be fun. But as of right now, that's pretty early. Yeah, this is,
0: this is a funny creator problem because industry people have figured this out oh yeah yeah like if you see like professional you know like tesla shoots like they got it locked down
1: yeah absolutely
0: but like marquez individual youtube guy like just to fly to la and like film on the pch like the question is like how do you do that and so that those are the kinds of questions that you're curious about yep okay yeah and there's not like a youtuber network where you just like call call up what There's, I mean, there are YouTube
1: friends that also have similar questions. Like yeah. we can talk about it all we want. I've had a couple of friends who are obviously in LA because that's where almost everyone is. But, yeah. um, and we talk about gear all the time and like production strategy in a way, like how do you shoot these things? Yeah. Um, we've collaborated on one of the last things we did was when we interviewed Elon, we did a, a, a factory tour, Yeah. which was like, how do you shoot a factory tour with like two people walking through it, do you just have one person hold the camera while you're out, or do you have a person next to it? You know, that's like that was a whole thing where we yeah. had to figure out how to do that. Um, but yeah, and the industry has got it all
0: locked up. Yeah, but it's also, I, I think what what a lot of people could get from you is like storytelling techniques because that at the core of it, like obviously the products are cool, right? But yeah. like you're a storyteller too, yeah. right? And so, when you're gonna go and do an interview with Elon, and I saw most of your interviews are like what, ten minutes, fifteen minutes long. Yeah, right. I yeah. assume it's cut down
1: to. From yeah, me. yeah, and a lot of it also also is because they're really busy people. Yeah, and yeah. that's <laughs> just that all the time that we get with them, and then all we have. But yeah, that's like a it's like a happy
0: medium of talking a little longer than a five minute video. Yeah, which is a nice format for YouTube. Like yeah. we we've tried both, and I mean I'm so impressed with Rogan. He's like three hour videos, yeah. and people are into it. Yeah he's amazing (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so when you think about like okay i'm maybe we should do a product scenario right like how do you think about storytelling in the case of a, a review context so what came before it what came
1: next to it what it's up against and momentum in a way so let's say a new phone comes out you naturally compare it to the phone that came before it and then you compare it to other phones around it and how much those stepped forward versus how much it stepped forward. And that right there can be an enough of an interesting story for a lot of a lot of devices that come out. I remember when iPad Pro came out. Yeah. It, that story was like iPad was already so far ahead in tablets. And then iPad Pro took a massive step forward versus the last iPad. Like, this is obscene how how much like there is no other Thirteen hundred dollar tablet, I would even consider like that's alone in its category, which is really fascinating. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess those two things like the context of other products that exist next to it and what came before it.
0: Okay, and when it comes to the storytelling of you as a person, like expanding yeah. it, you know, like all the gross words, like personal brand and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, Where do you go? Like, how do you tell your story, and then how do you fit in what your future? plans and hopes are
1: i guess i kind of i do less of that because i consider tech the star of the show okay um i think i i do inject my own personal humor or perspective on occasion just because it's it's fun and yeah. keeps it interesting um and that's its own challenge but i've always considered tech the star of the show and any
0: way i can i try to make that the main story. Interesting. And so that will just continue to drive future projects for you. Yeah. I mean,
1: the, the one string that ties everything together is it's coming from me. So it's always the same perspective. So like when you see a new car video, uh, like, with Top Gear, for example, you yeah. know that guy's driven these cars before, so he's going to think of it in the context of all those other cars. Okay. So, when I do a car video, you know I'm going to compare it to the other four or five cars I've driven, yeah. which are electric. So, like, that's that's the difference between, you know, a car video from me and someone else. But at the end of the day, the car is, is, the, thing. is the thing. Like, that's what I'm I'm talking about and sharing with hmm. people. Um, but I I guess... I'm probably underweighting how important my own personal voice is, but I I really try to make the tech the the star of the show.
0: Well, I think it's a, it's the focus in your video. I appreciate the modesty, but like there are you know, I don't know how many million YouTube channels of people reviewing phones? True, <laughs> like, true, very true. So you stood out in some way. Uh, so you got like a hundred plus questions from Twitter. Uh, sure, I want to answer <laughs> some of them. Okay. We're gonna skip the the middle initial <laughs> okay. for, for ten million subscribers. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Of course.
0: <laughs> um, But there are a lot of best practices around YouTube. Uh, You may have answered these before. But uh, Marco Castro asked, what advice do you have for new creators on YouTube? New creators. Uh,
1: New creators being pretty broad because you can be a new creator in in tech or a comedy or a new photographer. You know, there's all kinds of new creators. But on YouTube, generally, like if I was starting over today. Yeah. Um, I would kind of do a lot of what I'm doing now, which is like, you take your inspiration from other places, but you always have to come back to your own voice and your own perspective. Don't try to be something else that already exists or there won't be any reason to watch it. It already exists. Um, so find your own new angle, your own new voice, uh, your own new way of showing or, or talking about things yeah. and, and then get started. And a lot of it just comes to luck and. YouTube's kind of saturated. Yeah, yeah. Cons- the consistency is very important.
0: When, when do you think you found your voice as a creator?
1: I think super early. Really? I've, I've always been like, I want crispy video. I want <laughs> high quality. I, I know what I want. Like, I think that came at the very beginning even when I was oh man, doing these tutorial videos, yeah, I watched are, a couple of their fun, oh God, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, no it's,
0: I love going like you went through puberty on
1: YouTube essentially yeah, um, yeah, there's all these I did all these tutorial videos, which are just screencasts, so yeah. it's just my screen and a mouse moving, and I was obsessed with getting the highest frame rate possible and the smoothest motion blur of my cursor on the screen. And like that, it's so stupid, but like I've always wanted that production to facilitate the story as, as best as possible. I want the quality to be like as realistic as it can be so that it's not a distraction. Yeah. And that's still the way it is. Like I, I, my product, the whole almost like shtick is like overproduced, like, Really... Filming it on a is a lot. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Overly realistic, but to the point where, like, if you look at this video on your screen, you'll feel the closest to, to yeah. actually holding it in real life. Like, that's the goal. So, I think that... I don't know if that's
0: my voice or just my style, but I found that to be a priority pretty early. Well, I think it's kind of a combination, right? Because you both... You have your taste which I think the world has decided is good. sure. And yeah. And then just your like hardened opinion that this is going to be super high quality. Right. Right. And so did you grow up with these like values given to you or is it a personal thing you just were born with? Uh, I guess
1: it must have been instilled in me in some way. I mean, I've always been into tech and and tech has always had a like an emphasis on, like, we're the best, we're the highest but, quality. But that, like,
0: hardcore, like, this is the highest quality mentality. That's a great
1: question. I guess, I guess it's just what I decided I wanted at some <laughs> point. Um, I never really thought about that. It's, it's just, it seems like it would be everyone's goal when I think about it. Like, striving for the highest quality production. uh, it was a no-brainer to me. And I guess it's when you end up in the position where you're able to, you know, use really high-end equipment and, like, you can make more of what you want mm-hmm. because of the position you're in. Yeah. It's even more of a no-brainer um, because the barrier is lower. But I guess, yeah, that, that challenge to to make, like, the, the perfect video is, <laughs> like, <laughs> so the air quotes for audio listeners, like, that's that's always probably going to be a a moving
0: goalpost. Yeah, you're always reaching for it and it's always slipping away. But there's yes. something innate in you, right? And I think in a, in a lot of people who are maybe I wouldn't go so far as always calling people perfectionists, but to like mm-hmm. want to do it over again and over again and over again until it's just right. And that's a thing that's a thing that creators have to
1: overcome and that a lot of times you don't want to. Like, if you end up, like, I I would consider myself borderline, like, perfectionist and some stuff. I remember doing, like, SAT stuff where it was like, okay, you have to write this essay and you're going to get the topic and, like, you have to write it right then. Like, I want to think about this for a couple (laughs) days before I actually put a pen to paper and, like, you just have to spit out three pages and hopefully it's good enough. Like, that's kind of the way YouTube is. Like, a new phone just came out. Go like you don't get to sit on this for a while like you you form the best thing you can and if it's 95% there and it's done that's better than 99% there and still working on it uh that's a that's a barrier for me like I wish I could take more time with a lot of stuff uh but tech just moves fast so you just kind of have to evolve your your production and ideally
0: make the best thing you can and do you do you follow your your listeners do you follow your gut when it comes to making choices like is there is there like a data driven approach to what kind of videos you're making mm, no it's i'd say it's almost no data at all
1: it's i mean you get you get you get, you get <laughs> <That's> the <awesome. laughs> yeah you get you get comments of people who are like this part of the video was cool i enjoyed that or or like uh, you you could have spent more time on i wish you'd gone into this more or uh i was wondering about this and i'm glad you addressed it like certain things like that okay um were And I guess the only data it comes down to is like, I made a six minute video on this phone, but I left out these three things. I wonder if an eight minute video would have been watchable, like knowing, you know, all the other things that go into YouTube and retention and, and how long people watch and the, the attention span of the internet. Um, I guess that's all data, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I guess, yeah, I probably could have included that. Or maybe I didn't have to go into that much detail about this new camera. It's almost the same as last year. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Wow. 12 minute video could have been nine minutes and said almost the same thing. Um, information density is my, my like writing challenge. I'm trying to fit as much, uh, structurally sound information that's like followable to most people as possible. Uh, which in tech is, I don't know if that's more or less of a challenge, probably more. Um, well, it's, it's tough to decide what's most valuable to people. That's mainly it. Like I, a lot of people will, the best comments you get really, or that I get are from people who've never seen the videos before. And a lot of times they'll say, oh, you know, these are videos for like the mainstream, um, buyer, like not for the hardcore tech person. But all the information that goes into saying those top level things, the way I said them came from all the depth of using the device and all the hardcore stuff that I left out. So in a way, it feels like, oh, I should just include everything so that they know that I'm like really into what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm legit guys, I swear. (laughs) Um, But it, it becomes less presentable that way. It becomes verbose that way. Like I can say the same thing five different ways, but the shortest, most succinct, uh, complete way is usually the best way. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do.
0: That's kind of the mark of someone who really knows what they're talking about too. Like if you can teach it to someone who's 10 years old, true. then you can explain it. And it's also yeah. at the selling point of a lot of great companies, you know, Apple absolutely foremost. Uh, yeah. all right, before we go more into the YouTube questions, mm-hmm. uh, dude, how do you deal with YouTube comments? Um, I've, it. <laughs> People, I think people really hate
1: YouTube comments and for whatever reason, um, it hasn't been that bad for me. Okay. Now I can say lately, uh, meme culture has, has <laughs> made its appearance in my comment section far more often in the past couple months for an unnamed reason. Yeah. I'll just say it's Will Smith's fault, but, um, I think the, the comment section has actually been pretty helpful and pretty great for me for the past couple years. Um, and whether that's like, because I kind of, I can also separate the comment section into kind of three categories. Uh, hour one of upload, which is like useless. It's mainly just people saying either first or uh, reacting to the title and thumbnail and not actually watching the video or just like getting something in to hopefully get a response. Mm-hmm. Like that, the first hour is not really very useful. Then there's like hour two through 24, which is like people watching the video and being somewhat thoughtful before leaving what I'd consider a useful comment and then there's people who are finding it in search so this is no longer subscribers this is people who uh, were looking for something about this device uh, found this video clicked it hoping for something and left a comment based on what they watched those are the most useful comments Um, so if you can divide that like if all you're reading is the first three hours of comments you're like this is useless i hate youtube comments yeah but if you can sort (laughs) of stitch those out into like what's Coming from what audience, then it can actually be somewhat productive. I think for huh. me.
0: Yeah, I always I always struggle with the personal attacks.
1: Yeah. Where it's yeah, thing. I think I think they just kind of get drowned out, and and that's probably another benefit of where the channel is. Like, yeah. people just bury that stuff, okay. which is pretty great.
0: That's great. Yeah. yeah. and you didn't get it when you were a kid.
1: I definitely did, and I ignored it. Uh, good and for I you! Think man. I built a thick skin from that, and and now it's just kind of. It probably still exists and I just ignore it.
0: That's fucking awesome. Uh, okay. So Austin Ryder asks in the early years of the channel, uh, Marquez took a several month hiatus from YouTube, but then came back with a new video format and seemingly renewed drive. What happened during those months off? That's a great, very dedicated. That's a very few people know that.
1: Um, that was when I was in high school and that was my senior year. And I just had to finish, get my grades up, uh, College applications, the last year of ultimate, like three days a week practices for hours, like that was just like I don't have time. (laughs) I want to make videos (laughs) so bad, but if I if I do, I'm gonna get in that rabbit hole again, and I'm gonna try to make five videos a week, and I'm just not gonna have the time for the things that matter right now. So that was the end of high school where I was applying to colleges, going to all these things and interviews and pre college and and all this stuff, SATs, the whole deal. Okay. Um, then and I the renewed f- drive was just excitement. Renewed drive back. was like, hell yes, I'm back. Five <laughs> days a week. Let's go. College, no schedule. I'm in it. Yeah. I'm in it.
0: Yeah. That was that was a pretty good time. Okay. Right on. Um, a bunch of people asked the same question. Winston asked, What's your daily schedule? Because I'm I'm particularly curious because you also maintain a level of fitness for Ultimate. Yeah. Yeah, I practiced last night. Um, my daily schedule. So I
1: kinda I, I would separate into weekdays and weekends. Okay. Um, weekend or weekdays, I guess, (laughs) are divided again into production days or, uh, pre-production post-production days. Production days are filming, editing, uh, the meat of, of making videos and writing especially. Um, and pre-production or post-production days are more of like the inbox, um, the strategy, the, what comes next, the travel, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff that comes in between the videos. And then there's nights, which are either like the leagues I play in or practice or so I, I play for the the pro ultimate team for New York. We had practice last night on Randall's Island. It was cold, so <laughs> cold. Um, and then weekends are, are ultimate. I don't, okay. I don't work on weekends and that used to be a thing. I would just work in between Frisbee, but frisbee happens on weekends uh so that's traveling that's playing that's resting that's like disconnected from the internet type stuff and so you train by practicing yes there's no like other regiment i have a gym in my basement i like ask ask anyone who's like around me a lot i'm usually there at night okay um but as far as like like playing a lot that's kind of the
0: best training you can get so yeah that's where I spend a lot of and time. And so in your gym, what are you, you doing? Squats? What are you doing?
1: Uh, I have a bike. I have the treadmill, but then I have a lot of free weights. I believe in free weights. I don't have that many machines. So it's mostly just, yeah, the the dumbbells and the, I don't even know the, the, the bar is called that. Oh, parallel bars? No, you're standing in it and well, it's it's just, just uh, I don't know. To do dips and stuff? Uh, to do squats or to do, uh, dang, I don't know the names of any like of Like a things. deadlift? Like one of those? Yeah, things? like a deadlift. Oh, but I don't know oh, what the that bar like, is called
0: hexagon thing yes that thing <coughs> yeah, have a name. So it's like a dead th- uh i'm sure it, does. it probably has a name it's called it a hex bar hex bar yeah, not, yeah you got a hex bar yeah sure got some plates
1: <laughs> so yeah that's that's like some of the time but then eventually you you just have to throw and i don't want to get into like ultimate advice but like
0: i you, 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 have, have, a, you a have a
1: scar in your hand is that ultimate related that is ultimate related i in college uh went to go lay out to get a defensive play and i on the turf skidded forward and snapped my finger in half. So oh. I had uh, I got a little plate and, and screws in there now. Fix that bone. Strongest bone in my body now.
0: <laughs> Reinforced. That's great. Yeah, I got yeah. A, screws in my shoulder. I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Ahmad Khan asks, are there any problems that you see or face that you really wish engineers or developers would solve? Hmm. Engineers and developers. I mean, we're kind of on it. <laughs> they're,
1: they're kind of <laughs> on it um a lot of times there's like the beginning of like folding phones for example like you kind of see the beginning of like some potential and you're mm-hmm. like oh i hope they go all in on that uh that could be really cool in the future but generally like it's all being worked on i wish some of it was being worked on more than it is um i'm reviewing a lot of phones right now whose cameras are just not close to the pixels camera in particular. And I know they could get closer. I know they could put a little more into that, but they don't. And that's their own choice and their own priority. Yeah. Um, But they totally could. Um, So stuff like that, that's just like things that I prefer in some devices. I wish were, were more of a priority, but generally I think uh, we live in a pretty good world. Nothing really sucks anymore. You know, like the tech we use even at the lower end just
0: kind of works pretty well. Yeah. No, it's, it's very soft. I haven't upgraded my phone for that reason, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, you know, which is great. It's like, could use a better camera, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, one question was from a startup founder, Chris Giordano. He mm-hmm. asked any tips on how to engage with influencers when you're a very early stage startup with little or no money?
1: Yeah. Uh, my biggest tip uh, would be to offer something that would make it, it's got to be a win-win for everyone involved. So even if you're not a startup, even if you're like a, a company who's just not uh, into influencer marketing yet, the whole idea of creators working with companies is obviously they need to the financial support, but also they want to be able to make something that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to make. Uh, so whether they're given access to something or they're given um, a behind-the-scenes look at something, something like that, you don't have to like always pay yeah. them a lot. But like if you can get something like that, that suddenly their audience is really into, that's a win too. So if that's a win for the audience because I got a better video, that's a win for the creator because they could make something better that their audience now gets to see. And that's a win for the company involved because now your, your stuff is in front of a new audience. Um, so even if you don't have the financial means to just dive right into paying for ads, um, you can always offer something that can make, A video better and if you do like i I also notice a lot that not a lot of research is done they kind of just have like this list of tech channels and they just sort of blanket blanket, carpet everyone the same email um but if you really want to work with a certain creator for a certain reason make that clear like that like you've watched their videos and you notice a theme uh and you think there's some potential for a, a building on something there that's worth expounding upon
0: so, in addition to this kind of influencer marketing, where mm-hmm. do you see the future of individual creators supporting themselves as business going? We get this question most often in relation to podcasts. Right? Like how are people going to monetize? It's even
1: shakier on YouTube, especially yeah. lately, just sort of because of where we're at. And I get it. Um, the easy answer is just, <laughs> just be PC and be super clean and and never never push any buttons, but like. At a certain point, that's not where you want to be. You kind of wanna be able to explore and and do different things. Yeah. Um so you you have to diversify your income. That's the simple answer. So at this point, I can use myself as, as an example. Um the channel obviously has ads on it, and that's been one version of income as an independent creator. There's also uh something called affiliate income where you, you talk about products a lot, you might as well share Oh, the availability to buy those products so Amazon has an affiliate system BNH has an affiliate system um, there's also a merch store this is something not every creator can do but if you can why not um, I very recently super late got into it but like trying to make uh, a sort of people ask me all the time what sweatshirt I was wearing in videos so I figured I might as well offer a sweatshirt at some <laughs> point um, you can you can you can turn that into sort of a fashion brand if you will um <laughs> and and just having different different ways of of supporting the same thing when, yeah. when they all sort of point back to the same thing
0: what about those paid subscriptions or even oh Patreon yeah see the, yeah, the
1: Patreons. so at a certain point you can ask um dedicated viewers who really want to support what you do directly if they want to contribute more um oftentimes they won't have a problem with that if they really like your work or if your work isn't uh common i mm-hmm. think a lot of times if they feel like they can just find what you're doing somewhere else, then there's no reason for them to stick around or pay for it. But if what you do is like less frequent or it's really high effort or it's not something that that they're going to find somewhere else, yeah, and that'll come from you working on your craft really long time, uh, then
0: oftentimes they'll have no problem deciding they want to help you out. Cool. And, and when it comes to you now that you're a pretty successful channel, what do those ratios look like? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah,
1: I would say the... I'm still at a point where like the YouTube ads are probably 40, 40 to 50%. Um, the, I don't do a whole lot of sponsored stuff. Okay. If I did, that number would be much higher, but I think right now sponsored stuff is probably about 20%. So 40, 20, and then affiliate stuff being another 10. So we're at like, what, 70 now. So I guess, yeah,
0: YouTube ads is probably bigger. YouTube ads is probably 50% of, hmm. of what the the streams look like. Hmm. So you think your biggest problem right now as a creator is like figuring out how to do these more difficult things? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> okay. I'm i still on that quest of production. Like, yeah. I know my videos can be better. Like, there, there's yeah. still always a gap between like a great YouTube video and a movie. Of course. Like, everyone can tell a YouTube video from a movie and everything. But like, I... Ideally, that, like, seamless, like, production where I can tell the story I want, show what I want to show, and not have any barriers in the way of source production, that would be ideal. That's probably my biggest challenge. And then one of those, like, I feel like an octopus, like, chopping off one of my arms and handing it to someone. But, like, having other people who can edit, having other people who can do set design uh and can contribute on things that i'm i'm doing eight things at once i yeah. wish someone else could take the load off me that kind of stuff is also a challenge for me right now but that's something i'm working on too
0: that's interesting all right so i guess my last question for you then man sure. is uh your long your long term goal like what are you shooting for in 10 15 years well 10 years i'll be 35 over the hill. Yeah, man. Wow. No longer relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: guess um long-term goal as much as I I've said before like I don't have long-term goals, but okay. like most of my my forward thinking is like 2 to 3 years out, like where I want uh the company to be, where I want the production process to be. But I guess if you look 10 years out, that's more of like like media company type stuff. Like ideally, there's a there's a YouTube channel, maybe a second YouTube channel. There's a podcast. There's a there's a production aspect to it where you can you can assist with other channels, things like that. Um, and I think it's nowhere near on its way there yet. I think I'm still so focused on the actual video side of it and and making that what I really want it to be that uh, I haven't really set foot in these other uh, categories yet, but. Um, maybe someday soon. Are you going to make a movie? It's funny you ask that. Like long form stuff, long form being like 45 minute an hour Mm. long videos has been fascinating to me on YouTube because it's been proven to be not that unreasonable, especially lately. So the Shane Dawson's of the world, like, like really hitting it home. Um, I like to make a movie. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.